Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast vom The Football Grad Network. I am Manuel Feit, and again, I am not Bryce Dunn. He couldn't join us today. Social obligations, apparently. But that's quite all right. Um, Chris and I will do the podcast just like we did last week. And yeah, Chris, how are you doing? Manuel, I'm very well, thank you. Um, just enjoyed a great Saturday afternoon of football. I do like the last two match days where we get all the games on at once. I think it's great to be able to see the goals going in as they as they happen, which we can do at the moment in the UK via the uh, conference style that BT Sport have got. But I did watch the majority of the match was the Dortmund-Leipzig game because I think they had the most riding on it. But yes, I, I do like all the games going off at once. I think there's something special about it. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. I, I think the last two match days in Germany are always quite entertaining, right? Even with I mean, the big thing, the title is already decided. Um, that wasn't the case last year. Fortunately, it was the case this year. But um, Chris, also a little bit of melancholy because this is around the time of the year when the two of us hang out in Germany and we watch the games live. And that's obviously not possible right now. Um, you miss being in the stadiums? Oh, yeah. Do I ever? Um, and and I would suppose that's the only plus point of this whole situation is that there's there's no fans there. So it is empty. Um, and although I would like to be in the stadium, the, the lack of atmosphere doesn't make it as bad for me. If I was watching at home, the, you know, the last two match days and then the relegation playoff and then the Pokal, which we normally do the last two match days, the, the playoff, the Pokal, and I normally fly home the, the Monday after and don't do the second leg of the relegation playoff. I normally watch that from back home in the UK, but, um, it's a little different this, this season and, I do miss being in the stadium, but it's not as bad because it's not quite as normal. I think, yeah, had I been stuck here in the UK and, and you know, the the stadiums are full, 60, 70, 80,000 people, I'd be absolutely gutted. But, you know, I'm, I'm not the only one missing out. There's some actual football fans who are missing out. So I don't feel as bad as I normally would. But, yeah, I, I would love to be there at the minute or at least to just be in Germany, be in the pub at least watching the games. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think we are all kind of in this situation. Like every journalist around the world is kind of in this situation that we have to unfortunately cover games from television. It's just the reality right now. Um, it's very limited in German stadiums. I think they've gone from 10 to 20 now for, for on-site journalists. Um, some talk now that they might open up the facilities for next year for attendance, uh, obviously very limited and 
the DFL is going to release some numbers on that. I think when the season wraps up and I think a lot of it also will depend on that second week wave of uh, COVID-19 coming our way. And because that is a reality, right? That is unfortunately going to happen. But uh, Chris, same procedure as every year. Bayern have won the, won the eighth title in a row. Um, I think six months ago, that was not something that was necessarily going to happen. I remember I was there for the uh, game against Leipzig. I was there at their Klassiker uh, in Munich when, when they beat Dortmund 4-0, but they were still trailing um, the, the league leaders. I think Gladbach it was at the time. We had the table switch back and forward between various teams. I think until COVID-19, the Bundesliga probably had the most exciting title race in all of Europe. And then, you know, COVID-19 hits. We have this very long break and... Bayern have been just remarkable under Hansi Flick, haven't they? Yeah, they have been remarkable. And I don't know, well, I do know because he's an excellent coach and Bayern have got a, a tremendous side. But it's it's the failure of the others around. Leipzig went off the boil. You know how many draws have they picked up? Dortmund, although they've had a good second half of the season, that first half they dropped plenty of points. Gladbach were leaders for six, seven, I think maybe even eight weeks at one point. Um, and, and they tailed off a bit. Um, so whilst this is a really good Bayern side and they do play exceptional football, not just in Germany, but in Europe as well, look at you know, how they easily dismantled Chelsea in that first leg um, with the next leg to come and the way that they're playing. I can't see, I can't see anything else but a favourable win and maybe winning the Champions League. And that would be the ultimate test for this Hansi Flick side. Apart from that, I do feel like the rest of the league have, have shot themselves in the foot a bit because this season there was an opportunity. Last season there was an even bigger opportunity, I think, and nobody could capitalise on that. And Bayern have won their eighth title. Whilst I think it's great if you're associated with Bayern and you know it must be wonderful. I'm, I think everybody knows I'm a Liverpool fan and if Liverpool won eight titles on a run, I'd be over the moon. But I'll tell you, it wouldn't be over the moon, Manu. The people who run a Premier League and... I now worry a little bit for the DFL because we know how good the league is and we know how competitive it is. But for trying to bring new customers, in inverted commas, on board from abroad, um, from North America, you know, from from um, Southeast Asia as well, it'll be really difficult to to get people to become engrossed in a competition where you've had the same winner for the last eight seasons. Serie A found it. La Liga have struggled at times. Um, with just two teams competing all the time, and the Premier League would would, would suffer as would suffer a similar fate if if it had one team consistently winning. So, I'm hoping at some point that the others catch up because otherwise we're going to go into next season, the season after, the season after that, thinking who's going to finish second, who's going to qualify for Europe, who's going to get relegated, and there's got to be more to a league than that. Yeah, I 100% agree. And um, it's it's really hard coming up with a solution for it because obviously Bayern like being champions. We can't really blame them. I mean, everyone wants to win the title. We can't just tell them to roll over and give up the title. Um, even though they have tried very hard under Niko Kovac, I'll give him that. But if you are the top dog, it's not up to the top dog for the other teams to get you off the top. Um, it's your job to stay on the top. And Bayern, in all fairness have done a very good job at it. And um, you're quite right. I mean, the game against Chelsea, they, they scored three goals and it could have been four or five. They beat um, Tottenham 7-2 in, in London. Mind you, I saw the game against Manchester United on Friday and they're not very good. But 
And not many teams go to London and beat, win there seven two, right? And so they are a very good side. They they had almost an easier time in Europe this year than they had at times in Germany, which speaks for the rest of the league. What doesn't speak for the rest of the league? And I think this is a point, and Dortmund fans are probably the most vocal about this because they, I mean, when you look at Twitter and the things that they tweet, Bayern are so overwhelming, they're so powerful, they just buy all the best players. I mean, that's correct, but so are you. And in a lot of ways, if you had been more consistent last year, if, if you are nine points ahead, it's up to you to win the title. You know, it's not up to the to the other teams to, to win the title for you. You just basically have to win the rest of your games. And while they don't have the budget that Bayern have, they still have a budget that is bigger than the remaining 16 teams in the Bundesliga, including RB Leipzig. And I think that is something where they have to kind of look at themselves because they were pretty offensive about um, wanting to win the title. They really, you know, were very outspoken about it and never really delivered. And you can't say when Bayern are, you know, struggling, we have to be there and win the title. And then two years in a row, you don't do it. I think that is something that they have to pretty much, I mean, if you're a Dortmund fan, you have to be a bit more honest about that, um, that regard that there was a chance to win the title the last two years. And I think one thing that we have to kind of talk about a little bit, Chris, and I think this is maybe where the Premier League is a little bit better, is the way money is distributed in the league. I think that it has to be more even. You know, the, the, the money distribution is quite even in Germany. It's more even than in, in other leagues, but it has to be completely even. And maybe in a way, and it, this was an interesting discussion I picked up on um, social media, have everyone get the same base amount, but actually give the teams that are further down more money so that they can close the gap. And I think this could work, but I think it would only work if all the leagues in Europe do it, right? Yeah, and, and I think you get a lot of kickback from that, from, from the top teams, because that's when top teams will say, well, why are we being penalised for being successful? And you'll get teams like Bayern, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, etc. If that happens, and the game is driven by money, unfortunately, whether we like it or not, that's a reality. Um that would, for me, I think it would push um, a European Super League closer where the, the top sides will say, well, if you're not going to give us the money that we deserve, then we'll break away and make our own league. And I think that would be terrible. But Bayern do deserve a lot of success because I, I was chatting to this midweek, Manu, with someone. It's not like they've had um, somebody come in and, and take all, you know, and, and bankroll them. It's not like they were um, languishing in the second or third division five seasons ago and you know, they've had a rich um, Middle Eastern buyer or they've not had a, a, an oligarch come in and, and bankroll them. It's through, you know, 30 years of being ran correctly, uh, 30 years of living within their budget, 30 years of not going over budget, 30 years of running the business like a business and, and not like, you know, a betting shop almost and, and spending money frivolously and, and when it's not needed. They've, they've done it very, very well. And they're a very successful business, and, and they've they've gone about it the right way. Now, obviously, they've gone they've been they've been allowed to go about it because of how successful they are. And I think when money is distributed, Bayern in Germany, especially, they qualify for the Champions League year in year out to the group stages straight away, and then they go very very deep. I think last season was an anomaly, wasn't it? They normally get to round about um, quarters, semis, etc., and go back far enough, and you know the the final itself. Um, 
And that brings in so much money for them and it allows them to pay bigger wages. And if you, I know you did an article not that long ago on Forbes and it showed discrepancies between the likes of Bayern and a team like Fortuna Dusseldorf who are fighting for survival in the, in the top league. And until that is addressed, and I don't know how you address it because you can't say, I, I personally don't think you can say to a team, congratulations, well done. You're the best side over 34 match days, uh, but you're only going to get a percentage of this money because the people who finished 16th are going to get more because we want them to close the gap. I think that's really unfair. What I think would be fair is to say, I mean, to make it really easy for for maths, if there's 18 teams and let's say they were to get, you know, 180 million, then each gets 10 million each. That would be the easiest way to do it. And that would probably be the right way to do it. Um, obviously on a bigger scale because it's sold for a lot more money, television rights, but that's that's the only fair way I think they can do it. Um, but whether Bayern would accept that, whether Dortmund would accept that, whether Leipzig would accept that is um, is a different matter. Yeah, maybe my final point on this is too that I think where Bayern have been very good, and this is maybe a big difference to a lot of teams around Europe that haven't quite managed to do this. I mean, Manchester United are a great example of this, for example, right? When I when I ran the numbers, Manchester United have won 13 out of 28 Premier League titles. Um, that's that's an extraordinary high number. It's close to 50 percent, which is around the amount of titles that Bayern have won in the Bundesliga history, right? Of course, dating back to the inception of the Bundesliga in 1963. But it really shows you that Bayern, where Bayern have been exceptionally good and much better than all the other teams in Germany is, and other teams in Europe, is that they always had a succession plan. They were able to always hand over management and management decisions to someone who basically could continue that Bayern ethos, right? Manchester United weren't able to do it. Manchester United haven't won a title in six years ever since Ferguson basically left, right? So what the Bundesliga does, what the Premier League has and what the Bundesliga doesn't have is that the top dog for gave up didn't have good succession planning. United basically didn't have good succession planning, which opened the door to all these other teams winning titles. In Bundesliga, we didn't have that, maybe yet. And it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen now with Hoeneß handing over handing over to the reins to a new president, Oliver Kahn coming on the board, Hassan Salihamidzic, the new sporting director. Is this generation going to be able to preserve that status? And is that going to open the door to maybe someone like Dortmund or RB Leipzig to say, okay, well, look, there's a weakness there. Let's chip away on it. And that's with good business. Same same strategy than Bayern. And I did an article on this on Transfermarkt that if with good planning, you can actually put together a squad that is more valuable than the money that you spend. And I think if you, if they, if they look at this and use of actual weakness of Bayern, I think there is a chance there, um, to get them off the top of the table. But, um, that also means that, of course, you can't be like Dortmund and, you know, lose games against minds like they did uh, midweek. And that I think that was another example of, of why maybe Bayern have won eight titles on the row because their professionalism wouldn't let them do that. Whether they're in holiday mode or not, um, I don't think they drop points there, especially when they got something riding on it. Um, obviously, Dortmund wanted to uh, nail down Champions League qualification, which, you know, or, or nail down second place at least. And had that have been Bayern going for second, I don't think they would have dropped points against Mainz. And that's why they, they win the league. And I don't want to take anything away from Bayern because they play exceptional football. And I think they're a really well run club. Um, it's just, I think for me, it's for the others to, to catch up. And 
And until they can replicate both on the pitch and off the pitch, I'm not sure whether Bayern can be caught. I think Dortmund are probably the closest because of the the very good business they do, um, especially when they're signing players and also when they're selling players. But it all rotates around again for me on strengthening. Pretty pretty certain now with what Pep Guardiola said the other day um, that Leroy Sané will be going into Bayern and he will strengthen Bayern. On the flip side of that, you've got Hakimi could be leaving Dortmund. Sancho could be leaving Dortmund. Havertz could be leaving Leverkusen. You know, Thuram and player could leave Gladbach. Um, Werner will leave Leipzig. Upamakano could potentially go if the bid was came in good enough. These are these aren't the right signs if you're trying to capture. You know that that points gap is is for your rival to be strengthening while those around you are getting weaker. That that would be real problematic for me. Boetius lats around the corner, clever ball, Mateta's done well, Is Baku to slide one in, and Baku puts Mainz ahead, how about that? Gets his first Bundesliga goal, and what a time to get it, that was a brilliant move. Yeah, that was that goal scored by Burkhardt against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Chris, thankfully for them, um, RB Leipzig also dropped points that match day. They played 2-2 against Düsseldorf, which meant that Dortmund did qualify for the Champions League after all. Um, but the race for the Champions League isn't quite decided yet. Dortmund today, of course, by time of recording on Saturday, beat RB Leipzig um, 2-0 thanks to two goals scored by Erling Haaland. I have the match report up on Transfermarkt on that. Leipzig are pretty much through, though, when you look at the table, right? I mean, there's three points ahead of um, Leverkusen. And I think the goal gap is 17, 17 goals. I mean, we both know that's not going to happen. But that leaves that final Champions League spot, that, that fourth spot open um, to either Bayer Leverkusen, who lost to Hertha today, or Borussia Mönchengladbach, who beat Paderborn. And that's going to be the, the probably the most exciting aspect, or one of the two most exciting aspects going into match day 34, right, Chris? Yeah, most definitely that is. Um, and it all comes down, you've got two teams going for one slot and whoever misses out um, will miss out, uh, you know, eating at the big table next season. Um, I'm I'm quite um, I'm quite easy, whoever gets through, completely neutral. I would love to see Champions League football at Gladbach because, you know, you and I were there for um, Europa League football this season and, and it's a great atmosphere. But likewise, we were both at the Bay Arena for um, Leverkusen against Juventus, which is a great atmosphere. And they're both very nice clubs, very both hospitable clubs. And I think they both play excellent football. So for me, I, I don't mind who gets through at all. Maybe maybe Gladbach to let them have a go because Leverkusen were in it this season. But Leverkusen could go and win the Europa League and, and qualify that way. So it might not be over for them yet, but... Um, just looking at the way the fixtures are next week, I would be surprised to see Gladbach lose at home to Hertha. Hertha have been exceptional under Labadee. I think they've had a couple of wobbles. But away from home, I would fancy Gladbach to do the business um, in their own backyard. Um, and then, of course, you just got to hope that Leverkusen can pull a result off against Mainz, which I think we were talking before this. If Hertha were to win... Um, I could see Leverkusen drawing. Yeah, it'd be the Leverkusen way. Um, <laughs> that's that's basically would be 
encapsulating the entire club history you know always kind of missing out at the final final second uh yeah i i, I don't know it's it's going to be really interesting because obviously hertha don't have anything to play for anymore i think they played exceptional football under bruno labadia at times ever since he's come in he's completely transformed the team and they were very good today but you know Are they going to be motivated to get a point or three points against Gladbach? That's a big question mark for me. And then Leverkusen play against Mainz. I mean, by all fairness, that's going to be an easy three points or should be an easy three points because Mainz, um, they'll be partying it up all week. Uh, No one, including us on this podcast, thought that they're going to stay in the league. And we're going to talk about them in a bit more. But I think that you saw it with Union today. They, They... they got relegation um, figured out um, or thought of relegation um, this this week and um, they weren't really present. So I think for, for Leverkusen, it, it's going to be an opportunity, but it's not in their own hands. And I think Champions League football is going to be very important because I think they are hoping that they can maybe keep Kai Havertz for one more year because the market, the transfer market is so so volatile at the moment that you don't really get the big deals. Um, the It's very difficult for them to generate the 130 million euros that they were hoping to receive for Kai Harvards at the moment. And I think in, in their mind, they're kind of hoping now, well, maybe with Champions League football, uh, there is a chance that we can keep them for one more year. And on that note, it's actually interesting, Chris, uh, Rudy Feller, the sporting director, said today, and I think maybe with this in mind already, that... Um, even if they do sell Kai of Harvards, um, he would be actually finishing the season with them in, in the Europa League. This is obviously something that uh, Timo Werner opted not to do. He's not finishing the Champions League season with RB Leipzig. He's going straight to, to Chelsea to, to work with them in August, which I personally think is a shame. I think UEFA or FIFA should step in there and ensure that players that have started the, the Champions League season with their play, with their clubs, or at least have been there after January should also finish the season. But, um, I guess that's, that's one of the problems with this season. But Heiberts is going to finish, uh, the season with, um, Leverkusen. So I think that Europa League, um, you know, the Europa League path could be a good path for them to get the Champions League should they lose out. But Chris, let's talk about this, this relegation battle and let's talk about Mines because, um, I think they kind of fooled us a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, they have in the end. Um, I I think I was trying to I was trying to find out. I'm pretty sure I did at the start of the season one of those how I think the Bundesliga is going to look by the end of the season, and I'm pretty sure I had Mainz as relegated, um, and it was either Mainz or Augsburg in in 16th, and the other one relegated. And I can't remember which one it was, and, and I'm pretty sure I had Paderborn there. But um, yeah, Mainz and Augsburg have both escaped. Um, yeah, they, they, they've turned it round. Um, and you can only, you can only compliment them on that. And I think today's particular match day where, you know, they ran out, um, 3-1 winners against a Werder Bremen side who, who, who have been dreadful all season, but they've been professional enough, um, to, to make that happen. And I think they were pretty much out of danger anyway before they went into this game. But there's that level of professionalism that they've got and that they've they've had since the break came back that's allowed them to to stay in the league again. And um, I don't know where they go from next year. I think a thirteenth place finish for Mainz is is exceptional every single year. I think they're uh, aside a little like Freiburg who. If they get into that Europa League spot, I think it would hamper them rather than help them. So, 
I'm pretty sure that everyone associated with Mites will be over the moon that they've secured another Bundesliga season. Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. Um, you know, I think we both had... One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. We might have, I think I had mines in that promotion relegation spot. And I think you had them go straight down, if I remember correctly. And um, Augsburg, I had Augsburg naturally go straight down. Um, they fool me every year. Then I think we both agreed with, with Paderborn. And what we all agreed with, Chris, is Union. We all agreed on Union not going down. And... We thought it would be probably because of their, their home advantage where they, we went to that stadium at home at the Alte Försterei. It's a magnificent place. You were there when they beat Dortmund, if I remember correctly. And we were all kind of a little bit worried about them. How are they going to do playing behind closed doors? How are they going to, you know, generate that feeling of having that community feeling and having that real big home advantage by playing behind closed doors? But they did it. They are staying in the league, and that's such a that's such a great story. Not only just for for them, but it's also a great story for Berlin. It's a great story for um, football in the former GDR. I think this is this is fantastic all around, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I'm I'm really glad Union have stayed in. I, I thought they would. Uh, I said it last August. I think they're going to cause some surprises, and that's purely based on on the atmosphere. You and I have been there. Um, when they were still in the second division a couple of seasons ago, and and the atmosphere was phenomenal for that game. Um, what when they I was there for match day one when they were they they were wiped. Leipzig wiped the floor with them, and I thought, well, maybe I might have been a little bit premature in my prediction. But you're quite right for that second home game against Dortmund. I was there as well, and and that night gave me a lot of confidence that they would stay in, or that evening gave me a lot of confidence. It was the it was a six. 30 kickoff the the top spiel on that Saturday and the atmosphere there and and when they won and and afterwards they were just so happy and the players were happy and the whole stadium the whole city was happy and I was like yeah that is the sort of of tonic that this club needs to stay up and yeah they they didn't they didn't look right when they came back after this break but they got the result they needed especially against Paderborn and I think today's result is because of that result against Paderborn. They've just been drinking all week and, and yeah, good for them. But the thing that makes me really happy about this, Manu, is because I wanted to go and see the Berlin Derby in the Olympic Stadium, which would have been full and it would have been like 
um, like a Pokal final. It would have had that atmosphere for me. I know it was very one-sided um, because it was behind closed doors, but I'm looking forward and I will go to next seasons um, by hook or by crook. I will go because that was the one fixture I was stand- I was looking out for the whole season was um, Hertha against Union at the Olympic Stadion. And I'm glad that we'll get to witness it next season. Yeah, I, I think that maybe by the time that, that next game comes around, we'll probably also see some fans back in the stadium. I mean, I've already alluded to it at the top of the podcast, but I know that DFL are working very hard on concepts of getting some people in the stadiums. And I think the, the Olympia Stadion, we often make fun of it, or not fun of it, we often say it's too big. And it is. Uh, it is too big for Hertha. But I think with COVID-19, um, it could actually be a, a good place to get people back into the stadium because you have 75,000 seats and it feels a lot bigger than 75,000 seats. Um, it was originally built for, for 100,000 people and you could actually get people into that stadium and still give, ensure that they keep their the minimum distance of two meters, you know, and stay within the hygiene concept. So maybe we'll see some fans back into the stadium. I know that, that more um, journalists are being allowed back in too. But um, Chris, um, speaking of hygiene concepts, and you already said this, they were on you in Berlin were partying really hard, um, which led to the suspension of two players. They had to go into isolation, Trimmel and Becker, because they were partying it up with the fans. Uh, the DFL has has given the Union Berlin a monetary punishment, and yeah, Trimmel and Becker are now in, in self isolation. Not a good look for the league, but. Um, maybe also a little bit understandable. Yeah, it is. I think it's completely understandable. Um, there's, yeah, the, the the only mistake they made is they went and party with their fans, and I get why they wanted to do that because it's a big thing for them. I mean, pretty much everybody thought they'd go straight back down. Um, they weren't really given much hope. They weren't given much hope going into that relegation playoff against Stuttgart um, last season. Um, so for them to stay in the league, obviously they're very, very happy. They wanted to go and see their fans that were outside. Um, but yeah, that close contact obviously has, has brought them a fine and, and put them into isolation. It's a little bit different than the um, Napoli cup lift that we saw the other day, which, you know, there was no social distance in there. Um, but obviously all those players are tested. Um, and that would have, you know, that would have, that would have allowed that to happen. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, for, for for the players and for the club they're going to get there well they have been fined but I'm hoping that we will see fans back in stadium France is already talking about it believe it or not at, you know the one top European league that shot off early and said that it was too dangerous to come back as has, has decided that actually we're going to have fans back in in, in August or September Whenever they come back, that that's going to be one to watch. There was I saw some pictures on social media today. Games in Denmark, we've got fans in, socially distant, of course. I think there's one every fifth seat and every second row. Um, looks very odd, but at least it'll provide a little bit of an atmosphere. So, yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm hoping, money there is no real second wave, and and that we escape it. Um, and and I hope that happens because I really want to see fans back in stadiums and you know I want to be queuing to get into a ground I want to be standing up on a tram on the way to the stadium I want it back like it used to be yeah I think we all do Chris Uh, I I know that you know we I think we have to be a little bit patient but I think it's going to happen and as I said I think concepts are being worked on I think too though when you look I mean I'm in Canada right now as you know and we have done exceptionally well here in Canada but when you look down south 
um, it's it's a different story. And this is a country in the United States that has completely ignored all all, all safe safety and healthy healthy precautions. They basically give them up, and we have states now that have three thousand new cases a day. And I saw talking single states. So I think we have to wait a little bit longer. And I'm curious that France, of all places, have decided to do this. Um, that surprises me. But yeah, um, we're gonna talk about a few surprises next. But let's listen to this first. So yeah, that was the Hoffenheim intro song. Um, yeah, I don't know much what to say about it, Chris. <laughs> that's the thing. That, that's that's what we said about it. That's as much as we can say. It's uh, it's it's unique. Yeah, it's unique. You know, but gotta give it to Hoffenheim. Uh, I I had to double check and triple check the table today. They finished seventh, and that means they're in Europe, and they can still finish sixth. Uh, which would mean they would start in the playoffs of the Europa League. Right now, uh, seventh place, because obviously because Leverkusen and Bayern are in the final against each other, both have already qualified for Europe, right? So that that Europe, Europa League spot that you got through the Pokal is now gone back to the league, which means seventh place also will qualify. But yeah, Hoffenheim, um, they are even on points with Wolfsburg. So it means the final match day means a little bit for them because... You know, if you finish seventh, that means you start in the second round of Europa League qualification. And uh, we were joking before the podcast. That means playing um, on, you know, on semi-professional grounds somewhere in places like Luxembourg, Slovenia, or, you know, Latvia. Now, those are all lovely places, but uh, not exactly where you want to spend your early summer to play qualifying, qualifying football. And what is going to be a very condensed schedule, we were talking about this off the pod as well, that... UEFA scheduling right now, which is still being disputed, but we're basically going to have midweek fixtures for the top seven teams of the top four European leagues every week until December. And then you throw in the national team games in there as well, which are also supposed to happen. So very condensed schedule. So I guess Hoffenheim and Wolfsburg, um, they both want to avoid finishing seventh just to basically go straight to the playoffs. But we have to talk about Hoffenheim. I mean, they just recently changed their head coach. They did not agree with the philosophy going forward. They wanted to play a more innovative style of football. We've talked maybe this is a place that Jesse Marsh could go to the American or Nico Kovac. And I guess now, Chris, with Europa League football, that will actually open the door for them to get a big name coach in, right? Yeah, it should do. The only problem I have with if if I was if I was a coach, I would hate to finish seventh. Um not not because of, of where it is, but because of that early return. It cuts short your summer. I think it really impacts players when you get to um, normal. If you look at a normal season, when we get to late February, early March, I think having to play competitive fixtures all the way back in late July, I think is a real problem and, and can affect a lot of teams going forward. Um, you know, I know Frankfurt got all the way to the semi-finals of the Europa League the other season but they you know they they played a lot of games and I did co-commentary for the DFL World radio feed and 
I remember the the press conference. Adi Hutter said pre match that um, Frankfurt played something stupid like 109 games over two seasons, which is incredible, really. And that's all because of their run um, in the Europa League. And I would, I would, I would not want to finish seventh. I would rather finish sixth. But if Hoffenheim do finish seventh and they get into the Europa League, that'll be great for them because it will give them a little bit of a pull for for a coach. Because I can't see them going into next season. Um, with this um, almost um, communal coaching where they've got four head coaches. That that won't work on a long-term basis, although it's worked for the last couple of match days. Long-term, it definitely won't work. They'll need a head coach at some point. And if they've got European football, then someone will think about going there. They are backed very well. I know they're backed by uh, Dieter Hopp and people don't like them, but they are a club with um, a little bit of financial clout going forward in the Europa League. And they're a team that um, would like to see themselves maybe fourth or fifth in reality. Um, but if they can get, if they can attract the right calibre of coach, why not? I certainly had them a lot lower down. I think I had them round about 12th or 13th for this season, purely because of losing Nagelsmann and the players that had left, following on from the players that had left before. I thought this would have been a full rebuild season for them and they would have been lower to, you know, middle to um, lower middle table, not seventh. I think they've done exceptionally well. Yeah, for me, it was them signing Munas Dabur in January, the, the Israeli striker, I think. He's really given them something extra um, and a player to watch, you know, in, in many ways, it's going to be really interesting to see. But yeah, seventh place team will start the Europa League season on September 17th. That seems like a far way away, but it really isn't. In Wolfsburg's case, for example, they still have the Europa League to play. Um, that's their Europa League season is supposed to finish on August 23rd, I believe. So we, we will have a lot of football still ahead of us. It's It's been a weird and odd year. But Chris, let's speak about oddities for you. Um, who is the biggest surprise then? Union, Mainz, Hoffenheim? Or do you even have another team in mind? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I wasn't, I, I'm not going to say Union because I thought they would be good enough to, to survive. Um, I am going to say I'm surprised that Mainz escaped the drop because I did have them to go down. I'm pretty sure I had them as 17th. Um, but I suppose the biggest surprise of the season for me would be Hertha Berlin, just because of everything that's <laughs> that's gone on. The the Klinsman part, the the Salomon Kalou episode, the fact that Labadeers come in and, and got them firing um as a proper team. Um yeah, they've had a roller coaster season. The the biggest spenders in Europe um over the, the winter transfer period. Yeah, they, they're a surprise inside. Um and I'm looking forward to see what they can do next season because I, I really do feel under Labadier he's got the space to grow there. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Hertha Berlin finish sixth or seventh next season. Yeah, Hertha is a good shout. I think they probably have banned Facebook Live forever in the in the capital or that part of the capital. Um, not a good year for for them when it comes to Facebook. But uh, I really want to point out Freiburg. I know in the end they didn't get that Europa League spot, and that's probably for the better i think you pointed this out many times before chris but they're not a team that has the depth to play that many games in a row um 100 what was it 106 games for frankfurt in two years that would kill them and would absolutely destroy them and i think frankfurt actually considering what a season they had fed them finishing ninth 
Um, it's it's too bad. Although they're still in the Europa League, and I, I don't think it's beyond them to actually go to Basel, but in playing in Basel without fans and and beat Basel four 0 I I think they could do that, um, especially when they had a little bit of a rest. But I think for them, it might actually be also a good time to just take a year off of European football and just rebuild that side because there's something really good happening in Frankfurt in general. Um, but I have to actually go with Hoffenheim. I think I'm I'm surprised. I really am. I did not see the season happening for them the way it played out. I did not think that they would finish in a European spot. I did not think that they would make a decision on a coach like that, even though they still had a chance of playing for Europe and qualifying for Europe, which is above what you know we expected of them and maybe even what they expected of their former head coach, Alfred Schröder. But I think it is the sort of thing that Hoffenheim do when they don't see a long-term vision. And that is something that speaks for the club. They work not just for this year or next year, they work long-term. And I think that's why they made the decisions that they made. And um, it makes them an interesting team to watch, but it's also an interesting story over the course of the season. One that you know, we didn't really pay too much attention to until very recently when they all of a sudden they popped up and were there and grabbed that spot. But Chris, we have some t- Twitter questions coming. And this first one, I think, is really interesting from the Soccer Talk podcast. Um, Bremen look like they're going down. And I, I think we can both agree that it looks dire for them. They are eight, uh, eight points behind Augsburg, so they cannot finish on in 15th. They're two points behind Fortuna Düsseldorf. So I think for them, the last match day, it looks like they are going to go down. And we'll talk about that in great length when it happens next week. But for them going down, what do you think this will do to Josh Sargent, the young US American? Me personally, I think it would be good um, for, for Josh Sargent to, to be able to play in the second league with Werder Bremen if they do go down. Because, and we, we've spoken on this podcast before, it's a really tight league and it's of a very high quality. I think, you know, you and I are both in agreement that there are round about 25 to 30 top teams in Germany. Um, and obviously 30 doesn't go into 18 but it does go into 36. So it gives two high quality leagues. Um, and I think Josh Sargent would would benefit from playing in that real melting pot that the second division is. He would be, you would pretty much be assured he would start week in, week out, I think. Um, they Bremen would certainly have some players that would, would want to move on um, should they drop down. But I think Josh Sargent is a player who could benefit from that, see his game time go completely through the roof. He could be almost a guaranteed starter there um, and really get some good minutes under his belt and learn from it. It would almost be like going on, on a mini loan for him um, because I think that's where he would need to go at the minute. If, if Bremen do escape the drop, I, I don't quite know if a few minutes here or a few minutes there or even three games on the bounce and then two games rest. I don't know if that's good for him, um, for his development. But I think he's one of those players that needs to play week in, week out and he will get that in the second division. So if I'm Josh Sargent and Werder Bremen get relegated, I would be disappointed, but I would also be quite looking forward to it because I think I'd be getting a lot of games come next season. Yeah, I, I, I think you spot on with that. I would agree. I think Sargent would benefit massively from playing in Bundesliga too. Uh, the next question is also about uh, Americans, Chris. How much can Schalke fetch for McKenney? And is Reina likely to start next season? I think we can break this up in two. And I, I would like to answer the first one. Um, Weston McKenney, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, if you are Schalke, do you, he's a key piece and he's a player that they 
massively dependent on and throughout the stretch and gonna let Chris off the hook here because I know he gets bombarded by this question all the time how bad are Schalke through the stretch where they were terrible he's been pretty much the only player who has been consistently good and I don't think there's a price tag for that um, as for the second question is Reyna likely to start next season Gio Reyna the young US American who had his first assist today in, in the Bundesliga Chris I think he's been quite good right Chris and I think we're probably going to see a lot more of him next year yeah, I think he's been very good. And it was telling to hear what um, Erling Haaland said about him afterwards. He thinks he's a great player, called him the American dream, <laughs> which I think was quite a nice thing to say. Um, yeah, he will get more game time next season, but I think we've got to remember his age. He's only 17, so he's. I, I don't think he's going to start week in, week out. I think that would be bad for him because we've seen this before and, and it's no disrespect to um, to anyone in the US, but they... They like to heap a lot of pressure on their players. I think we've seen that with Weston McKenney. We saw it with Christian Pulisic. Um, they get a lot of of pressure heaped on their shoulders. And I think Giovanni Reina doesn't need that. He needs the the space to be able to grow and develop. I think the pressure that came along for Christian Pulisic, I think, hampered him. I think I think it hurt him. I think it hurt his development. I think he's unlucky that he was at Dortmund at a time where their form coincided with a dip in his form, but he had a lot of pressure put on him from home. And I don't think Rainer needs that. Um, but I do think he's at the best possible club to be able to get that drip feeded in. And what they did, or what Tuchel did with um, Pulisic originally was drip feed him in, and I thought that was great. And then we've seen what Favre and Stoker did with Sancho, you know, drip fed him in. I think that's another plus point as well. Um, so he's at the right club to be able to do that. But don't expect too much because, you know, his age, he is, he could have three, four good games and then he could have five, which he stinks the place out. But that doesn't make him poor. It just makes him a 17-year-old lad who's developing. So I would like to see him get more game time next season, but don't be surprised if he doesn't because it's about his development. It's not about what he's going to do next season. It's about where's he going to be in two to three, four seasons' time. And what you don't want is him burnt out. Yeah, and I think, you know, next year too, I'm pretty sure they're going to keep the five substitution rule, which will open the door for game time, not just for him, but for, for many young players, which in the Bundesliga, the league is rediscovering that a little bit, the, you know, bringing in youth players. We've seen a lot since the break. And we saw a young player today, the young American make the debut today for Bayern, Chris Richards from the second team, Sapret Singh, the first player of Indian descent to play in the Bundesliga today made his debut for Bayern. We're going to see a lot of young players um, that are going to, to break into the league um, over the course of the next few months because of the very tight schedule. But Chris, we had one last question come in from our friend uh, Dom Edmondson. He asked, which player are, players are already playing in the Bundesliga? Could the top six be looking at buying? That he means the top six in the Bundesliga. Hennings, Rashika, Rashika basically for RB Leipzig and Trimmel have all had fine seasons. Is there anyone else we can think of? Well, I think... Someone to keep an eye on, and he's been with Schalke, and yes, Schalke have struggled, but someone like Ozan Kabak, for example, is someone that I think a lot of teams in in the top six in Germany will keep an eye on. Um, he's been a defender who has a lot of talent and I think could do well with a move to a bigger club. And then, of course, Milo Rashika, I think we can all agree that when Werder go down, uh, he has an exit clause that can see him leave for about 10 to 15 million euros. And I'm pretty sure he 
he'll be going to one of the top teams in Germany. Chris, is there anyone else you have in mind? Yeah, I think Matthias Kuhner, um, obviously he's not at a top six side now. He's at um, Hertha Berlin, but he's rediscovered his form um, or he's rediscovered himself since he's been at Hertha. And he is, I mean, the goal today he scored was another example of just how clinical a finisher he is. And if Hertha Berlin don't, if he if he carries on in the same vein of form that he's in now next season and Hertha don't make a European slot, I could see a top six side coming in for him straight away because he scores goals. I think he links up well with those around him uh, and he is a really valuable player. Um, and I think he's had to take a step back in order to take two steps forward. And if he carries on at the same trajectory, I think he'll get that because, you know, he's been around for a bit, but... Um, we we forget that he's still only 21 years of age, so he could make that step up to a, a, another top six side again next season or the season after. But he'll be one that I'm going to keep a close eye on next season for definite um, because I just like the way he plays. I like him as a person. Um, I, I, I like the way he approaches the game. I like the way he approaches his training. I like the way he, he speaks to the press afterwards. I think he's a very rounded individual but most importantly, I think his football is to a high standard. So I'll be keeping an eye on him. Yeah, maybe the, the last thing I want to add, there's always, you know, the one or two Freiburg players that stand out for me. Um, you know, like someone like Robin Koch, who I think is going to go to a big team. Um, possibly Borussia Dortmund. I know they've been sniffing around. And then Luca Waldschmidt, who had a fantastic Euro U21 um, with Germany last year and uh, had a very heavy injury playing for Germany, the, the senior side. Um, in the spring and it seems like a lifetime ago but yeah he did play for Germany in the spring and fractured his face and um, had a very heavy leg injury as well but has since returned I think those are two players that uh, I think are going to make the step this this summer to a bigger team well Chris that does it we're done uh, match day 33 in the books one more match day to go we have a Champions League decider next week a relegation decider and then of course we've got the relegation playoffs coming up I, I still hoping for Werder Bremen against Hamburg in the playoffs. Um, I think that would be um, that would be one that I would miss not being able to go to. Yeah, but I can live it through all my colleagues in Hamburg. It'd be fantastic. So, Daumen drücken, as they say in German. Fingers crossed. Well, that's it. Until next week, everyone. Auf Wiedersehen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.